0: Oh hey! My name is Elizabeth Hemstridge and I played Gemma Simmons on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for seven seasons! Oh my gosh, seven seasons, not over it. Clearly not over it because now I'm making a whole podcast about it where I re-watch each episode with people who worked on it in front and behind the camera, will spill the tea with some juicy BTS, do a deep dive into the show, answer your questions and ultimately, hopefully, demystify the industry by sharing all the ways to work in it and the pathways to get there, challenges and all. And I hope this podcast can inspire you whether you'd like to pursue a career in film on TV or not. My mic is named Liam, and you are welcome to be a leopard, which is our community name, because I love leopard print, and my nickname is Lil. So, with that, welcome to Live with Lil, the podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Hello, we are back after having a little bit of a break for the holidays, Christmas, New Year's. Oh, how are you? Feels so good to be back. We are here today to watch episode 116, titled End of the Beginning, directed by Bobby Roth and written by Paul Spashevsky, aka Paul Z, along with Jeff Loeb, who headed up Marvel Television at the time of the genesis of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I'm just so excited, they're both... I mean, gosh, I've just realised I say that every week, I'm so excited for this week, but I am. D'Acriber Abel will be there as well, of course. The thing about Loeb and Paul Z is they were, I mean, Loeb, I'm so excited to talk to Loeb, excited again. Oh my gosh, learn a new word, Elizabeth. Loeb, Jeff Loeb, created the whole department of Marvel television and then went on to do a bunch of Netflix, Marvel shows, and it's going to be so interesting to hear him speak and what that time was like and what a crazy responsibility, and then all the, de- we've had loads of really brilliant questions about how it tied in with the movies, and what that was all like, so I'm gonna get as much info and goss out of him as possible, and then Paul Z was just so, we've had him on before, he's been amazing, and so generous with his time, he was there for 106, but he, and I, and I said in that episode, but just to reiterate, he was so brilliant, at the structuring of how the show was going to be and was there from the very beginning of kind of the, the architecture of the plot points was he was so integral in that and breaking the story in the room as well as obviously a fantastic writer that then went on to do Hellstrom. So just a lot of... Um, we've got the Marvel heavy hitters in tonight and uh, I'm just... I I can't wait. I wanted to say... Oh gosh, a little bit about, oh I don't know really, just a bit of a catch up. I wonder how you all are. I'm in England at the moment and we have gone into another countrywide lockdown and I don't know about you guys and I know that we are lucky enough to have people listening all over the world. It feels like, oh, if you're listening to this at the time of it going out, it just, it, it feels pretty heavy at the moment and can feel a little bit bleak, and I know a lot of people's Christmases and New Year's weren't exactly as they maybe hoped, and it was all a bit different, and if you were isolated, or couldn't get back to your family, or friends, or, you know, all just felt a bit rubbish this year, I'm thinking of you, I'm hoping that, yeah, these can just be a positive thing that you could look forward to, I know they are for me, yeah, it's just felt, a bit hard this week it it feels like it's a bit hard for everybody at the moment, so i'm I'm thinking of you all and i'm I'm just um grateful for this group that we have and this community and I don't know it just made me reflect quite a lot. Zach and I were talking earlier today about about the watch alongs and everything, and I just if they can help to inspire. 10 people to maybe see things as, as a possibility for them and to understand maybe a pathway into this industry that you didn't know existed or if it sparks an idea in you or that turns into something creative or if it's just a way for you to be able to switch off from oh, the news and, and a lot of the things that are happening in the world at the moment then that to me is huge success and fills me with joy and yeah I'm not quite sure what I'm trying to say but I think it's that it's tough at the moment and if you are finding it tough I feel you and I'm so grateful for what we're doing and I hope that if you find this joyful and inspiring that means the absolute world to me and if you could share that with somebody that would be wonderful and I think that way the impact that we can have as a positive force on, you know, the lives of those around us when there's been so much hard, heavy stuff this year already, <laughs> We're only on the 10th of January then, I just think that's wonderful and I appreciate, I appreciate you all so much and I appreciate you spreading hopefully maybe some of the inspiration that you get from these amazing people that come on these lives each week and share their insights and laughs with you and I feel like this one is going to be full of giggles so hopefully it'll do it'll do your soul good we'll uplift each other at a time that can feel a little bit down maybe so just quickly um just quickly to say oh we had so much good feedback from the from the little podcast last week that turned into um, I don't know like a Mr. and Mrs. Quiz, between Zach and I and Augustine, I hope you guys enjoyed meeting Augustine. In fact, I know you did because i've we've had lots of emails about it and comments. I'm so glad you enjoyed that. We're back to business as usual this week, as I said, watching the episode titled End of the Beginning." There were a lot of questions that got sent over because originally that bonus episode was going to be a q and a about you know the show, and we weren't quite sure exactly what it would turn into and then anyway, it turned into. Augustine grilling Zachary and I, which was so much fun and enlightening. I learned a lot actually. <laughs> but those questions that people sent over, they have been stored and will be used in the future. So don't worry, we we have them. They did they did not slip through the net. We've also had a little bit of housekeeping. We had an email from Jason who said, I'm such a big fan. Simmons is one of my favourite characters from the beginning. I'm currently re-watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and wondered if such a podcast existed. Found this one and got really excited. My concern is this. When I was watching the show on the air, I watched the first four seasons, but life got in the way for the rest of the show. Am I going to get really big spoilers while listening to the podcast? If so, is there at least some kind of warning and time skip before it happens? Thank you so much. Keep up the good work. Jason, I don't think you're going to get spoilers, but I cannot guarantee it. So, uh maybe at the end I could try in the outro, but oh, that's not much good, is it? But as we are watching season 1, you should be okay. We'll try to keep minimal spoilers, but I don't know what the guests are going to say. <laughs> so, hopefully no spoilers, but no guarantees, but you're pretty safe. I I would say you're pretty safe. And then just before we dive into this week's episodes, I just want to read some wonderful reviews from all over the world this week. So the first one is titled Lemons. It says, hi Lil, I'm from Singapore and normally the YouTube live will be at 5am so it's harder to watch, but these podcasts are released at 4pm my time, which makes it great because now I can listen to the podcast as I take a walk or just chill. I'm really happy that you're doing this. And that's from Ali. Thank you so much, Ali. Yeah, this is perfect. You can take me on your walk. I love that. The next one is from Willem. And it says, oh, the show is so amazing. The podcast tells like behind the scenes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and it's so interesting to listen to. Elizabeth's storytelling is so amazing. She can explain it so good on what's going on. She's so sweet for her fans and I really like it. Please keep up the good work, Willem. Oh, thank you so much, Willem. What a gorgeous review. Next one, a great information base of film. It says, amazing, seven exclamation marks. Oh my gosh, you write like me. It's a great way to catch up on the missed lives on YouTube on my way to school. Also, it's a base where information and experiences on the film industry is shared, which I think is very helpful for those who are aspiring to be in this marvelous world of film. Truly, it has been a lovely gift for fans since it ended. Thank you, Lil and Zach. Um, Thank you so much for your review. Please keep the reviews coming in. We love reading them. And it's six weeks until the end of season one, which means prizes are coming. Uh, So yeah, leave, leave maybe your IG handle or some way that we would be able to get in touch with you and all the reviews will be put into a raffle, and we'll pull them out, and we'll send out a bunch of prizes. Thank you for reviewing and rating. It really helps people find us, and as I said, it feels like, again, I don't want to speak for you, but on a personal level, it feels like any chance that we can spread some positivity and some inspiration just feels like the right thing to do at the moment. I know a lot of people In England, particularly, I know because I'm here, (laughs) but I'm assuming a bunch of other places too, people are not able to visit family as much or friends, maybe feeling more isolated than ever, mental health might become a trouble for a lot of people, and uh, I hope that this can serve as some respite from certain heavinesses that have happened. And if you are feeling down or anxious or worried, do seek help. Do talk to people, confide in people. A problem shared is a problem halved, even if you just don't feel like there's a way that anything's necessarily gonna be worked out. Personally, I find talking about it really helps. And, oh, did you hear that big honk? Somebody's out in London town tonight. Um, And yes, if you if you're feeling severely down, Do seek help, do reach out. It is always worth it. I'm sending so much love to all of you. I know, you know, at the start of this year or halfway through 2020, I feel like I felt like, oh, 2021, everything is going to be fixed. Not necessarily the case. Uh, We're still in this. We are going to get through it. But, you know, it's winter. It's COVID is still rampant and we are still, you know lockdown here, and I know everywhere it's all a bit different, but there's certainly an air of worry and concern. So I'm thinking of everybody, I'm sending you love and light. I hope you enjoy this episode. As always, I'm very excited about it. but I feel like we're going to get some inside info on the inner workings of Marvel and the, the behind this behind the not even behind the scenes but like behind the locked doors meetings that happened and how Captain America tied in and what those conversations were and you know just the just the inner workings of Marvel I'm I'm curious to dive in to say the least so thank you so much for being here thank you for all your questions we've got such brilliant ones this week and a ton that way above my pay grade so it might look a little bit different this week in that I'm gonna ask some of the reddit questions to the horse's mouths <laughs> Is that the right? you know what I mean like to the people that could actually answer then we'll see how um, how keenly Marvel's got their night night gun trained on this podcast today and whether they might reveal some things that maybe we haven't heard before anyway thank you so much for being here I'm so happy you're here Welcome to another episode of Live with Lil, the podcast. Here we go!
1: Welcome to level seven.
0: This is actually a bit thrilling.
1: Someone really wanted our initials to spell
0: out S.H.I.E.L.D. We have a small but active fan base. We are unstoppable together. You guys are my family. We don't move on. We hold that place in our heart, even after we say goodbye. We are not
1: agents of nothing. We are agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
0: Welcome everybody, we're back after a break, uh, we are joined for episode, <laughs> do you love that line? Oh no, wait, oh no, sorry, okay, you think I'd have got this down by now.
2: Audio problems.
0: Audio problems, here we are, with Mr. Jeff Loeb, oh someone else has, is that you Zach? Every time it's me then it's him, Mr. Yeah. Jeff Loeb, as was head of Marvel television at the time of this crazy show, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. I have no idea where I am or what we're doing.
2: You're home, Jeff. You're at home. thank you. That's I appreciate okay. that.
0: Everything's going to be okay. okay. We're all in this together. <laughs> Don't worry, because Paul Spashevsky is here as well, a.k.a. Paul Z.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Wrote this amazing episode titled End of the Beginning, episode 116. Um, and Zachary Bur Abel is here, as always, live chat king, and he's going to be bringing in questions from the chat are on the youtube jeff that's where yeah. they are okay okay and so the chat
2: is there. lit up today people are excited to be back so we've got we've, we've got, got a lot of people got in
0: huge huge marvel heavy hitters in today so just,
2: just the one just the, the one that guy yeah
0: hey or, you or, are you guy. are I, <laughs> I don't
2: know where i am on the screen the gallery view is it uh,
0: you're on gallery. Where it's, are you? i am see on the anyway. Okay. These things. This is why, this is why this is um gonna be so fun. It's Let's been just, a week. It's been a week. Yes. So the whole we spoke about this a little bit off air, but the whole point of these is just to bring some inspiration to people, whether you want to be in the film industry or whether this helps to spark some creativity that can help you cope with this crazy. Gosh, I want to say crazy year, but we're only on the 10th of January, but it has been not so already, but you know, we can do this and we're just going to have a fun hour. So let's press play now. Okay. Um, okay. Low, don't you, worry. Don't you worry about a thing. <laughs> I'm going to start my... <laughs> I think <laughs> I can to
1: see Zach. So this is, if it I want really you back, Wait,
0: I'm watching an hour of Zach,
2: I'm Give me a three, Paul's two, got... one. Yeah, and, then, yeah. and then it's on the flip, right?
0: It's on the flip. <clears> Okay. Um, can you display your DVD again, Paulsy? Because that's amazing.
2: I He's have. watching
0: it. Yeah.
2: Blu-ray. These kids, these things were called Blu-rays. And they were physical <laughs> like discs that you put in a machine. And, and the picture quality is actually superior or anything. And, and you know what was great was that, that
1: we didn't get them for free. We had to buy them from Marvel. I bought that. <laughs> Yeah. No, we literally—they said to us, "These sell for twenty dollars. We'll give them to you for
2: yep. I, you, you I, I, eleven dollars." Yep, including me. You got eleven I didn't get a discount. You only yeah, well, paid I, eleven I, for
0: yours. I, I,
2: I, I maybe thinking about season two. Yeah, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did we have a price cut? Right. Let's do this. Okay. Let's press play on. Well, I'll just I'll just say three, two, one, play. Okay. okay. Ready. Three, two, one, play. Okay, that worked. <laughs> playing over there. <laughs> okay, I think I'm slightly behind, but that's fairly normal.
1: I'm just looking ah. at you, I'm not seeing the show.
0: No, I can't send Yeah, because of Marvel, we can't play it on the Zoom, all right? So Jeff, is it on
2: YouTube?
0: <laughs> or, where is everyone looking at it? It's on Netflix. <laughs> Everybody watches it along with this. So can someone, they hear
1: us right now? They can can hear they hear me right saying, I can't see this?
0: Yeah, I think so. Well, how am <laughs> I going to comment is on, on YouTube? it? This is, because, <laughs> because most people have seen the show at this point. These the fans of the show, Jeff. Lewis. But I have a thing that says view That's
1: stream on custom, on custom live streaming service.
0: No, don't press that. You might mess up our streaming. No,
1: don't do okay. that.
0: Just to touch anything, have yes, your hands yes, really. I water. thought I was going to get a
1: chance to actually watch the. Show. I was excited. We're not <coughs> watching, we're not watching, you you're watching the show, we're,
0: we're watching show you
1: have me. it on your DVD. Is is talk I talk asked through. Elizabeth, I blame you for this. I asked you a hundred times, What are we doing? You were like,
0: Oh, it's gonna be fun, it's gonna be great. No, this is <laughs> what, what you hear. What well, I said was, That's like, be
1: <laughs> a That's terrible thing. <laughs>
0: <It's gonna be
1: laughs> And I'm like sitting here going, wait, I don't, I want the part where like, this
0: is, this is ward. Well, I know this, what
1: happens. Oh my you God. You do
0: know what happens. Um, you do. This is a huge episode. Um, we had a lot of questions before about how this ties into this is the week before Cap- Captain America. Soldier. Winter Soldier got released. Yes. And then obviously there's a big reveal next week. How can you, was that integral to the whole concept of this show, Loeb? Like, can you talk a bit about how this all came to be?
1: Yeah, it, it was impossible. <laughs> That's all anybody told us. So this was when we when we first sat down to talk about the show, um, the idea from the very beginning was that there would be a trailer that it just didn't make any sense that we had six perfect agents and we knew it wasn't Coulson. Uh, And so we, we had these new faces, we could do anything we wanted with them, or at least we thought, and we, we, (laughs) we, but the, and when you go back and you look at all of the little pieces along the way, my favorite was when, Ward jumped out of the plane in order to grab you because you thought you had the the virus, wasn't it? The virus. It was, it yeah, was the Chitauri virus. Also.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, see, we were doing COVID before there was, COVID was cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, oh, COVID jokes, and and so.
0: Yeah, we're too sensitive. So. I, mean,
1: if, I mean, if we're really gonna get into sort of the, the horror of it all was that the show came out, massive hit. Um, and then slowly in ratings was going down because everyone thought that that Robert Downey Jr. was going to be on the show every week. And despite the fact that we had sold a show that said not all heroes are super, um, the audience came every week figuring that the Hulk was going to be on this week and then, you know, whoever was going to be on next week and none of that happened. And by the time we got to... Episode, actually, it was that episode when uh uh war jumped out, and we thought, well, that'll that'll be it. Everyone will love what's going on at that point. Um it it was still diving and there and the network was really worried. And to give credit where credit's due, Dan Buckley, uh who is my boss, um came to us and said, What's the problem? And we said, we're just there's most of the people that I'm going to talk about don't work there anymore, so that's why I feel fairly comfortable. Um, but just us he, too, Jeff. A, a, ABC didn't really know what to do. It was a show that that they had hoped, like uh, Lost, was going to find an audience that that didn't exist on their network. Um, they were predominantly a network that was known for scandal and for Grey's Anatomy and they would tell us that upscale women need to watch the show and we were, you know, Marvel fans. And, and we can all sit now and go, well, everyone on the planet is a Marvel fan. But back when, before Captain America Winter Soldier came out, it, everything was, it was doing really well, but it, it still was mostly fans. Uh, And most of our fans were young males. Uh, And so we had come up with this idea that there was going to be this traitor, and we knew who the traitor was going to be. Uh, And Dan Buckley went to the network and said, if we're going to die, let us die on our own terms. Just no more notes, just let us make the show that we're going to make. And Paul can
2: talk a little bit more about the the, the the, challenges of not being able to say the H-word. Well, not just the H-word, but there was just, in in concept, there was a resistance to uh, serialized storytelling as opposed Mm -hmm. to open and closed mysteries. And, you know, the heart of the comic books, you know, wanting to have a cliffhanger and grab the next issue. And, you know, I it, it was hard to push a serialized element through and to kind of grow up the show a little bit um, over that first season. And it was very much like Jeff said: it was it took an army of people from this side of the fence to go, please, just we can do this. We know what we're doing. If you let us do it, and 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 we'll we'll stick the landing. And that did involve literally Dan Buckley. You know, we sat in the writer's room for hours and we talked to him about here's what we need and here are the stories that are coming up on the board. And, and we had to uh, argue with the network about how we were being scheduled, our air dates, so that we could land an episode the week of Winter Soldier, so that we could, you know, bookend it and, and have a beginning and, and, and an after that was all serialized and in sync yeah. Because the schedule network schedules were like, Oh, you're going to be off for four weeks. You're going to be here for three weeks. Cause when you're making 22, you can't keep up. You can't run 22 in a row. There's just, there, there's not enough time because it not it, it takes, you know, nine days, 10 days to shoot an episode. And then you have three weeks, four weeks post. We don't have that kind of time to turn around where we can shoot 22 in a row and air 22 in a row. So you know, Dan and Jeff, you know, went to the network and was like, "No, this is what we need to make all of this work," and um, and they finally let us do it. And I think, you know, to to their credit, um, I, I think it was a turning point for the show.
1: Well, in, in there were two sort of critical things that you just talked about, which which I was thinking about this morning, which is, you know, now it's such a part of our culture that. You can make six, you can make eight. Like people are happy. They're like, oh my God, I I watched The Undoing the other night and I'm done. And it it literally was three or four years ago where like if you put on six or eight, people would go, that's not worth watching. Mm. Like I, I, how could it be, it's six parts. Like I'll watch it some other time. I'll put it on my DVR and do whatever. I'd rather watch 22 episodes of something, which meant that, every single time we came up to, to uh, bat, yes, that's the word I'm looking for, uh, that, that we had to somehow create a Marvel movie every single week. Like we had to have the greatest film of all time every single week for 22 weeks. And anybody who's ever made television will tell you that if you're lucky, two are great, two are good, and the rest of them are just we hope that you enjoyed the show uh and but you always swing for the fence and we just knew if we if we could get the audience to fall in love with our characters as opposed to wait for robert Downey jr to come on the show then that would help everybody else was yelling at us no tie directly into the movies so that the people that watch the movies will watch the television show which wasn't necessarily true or not true, but this was one particular case where we had a chance to really tie in. We had the H-word, which was Hydra. We were not allowed to use the word. We were not allowed to imply it in any way. We we were given very severe in things about... We couldn't do rogue
2: we, spy stories.
1: Yes. We had... We, we People who worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. were all loyal to S.H.I.E.L.D. And... Because that's the way they were portrayed in the movie. And so we couldn't hint at anything because we would, and we were told this a hundred times, we would ruin Winter Soldier. Yeah. And in terms of the hierarchy of where things are, our little television show, because it was the first one, we hadn't made any of Netflix shows. We hadn't really put our foot in the ground. This was the first show that we had done that, everyone was just sort of standing around going, well, we don't know. I mean, maybe Marvel doesn't work on television. So we don't want to damage the the golden goose, the thing that's actually yeah. working. People are going to the movies. Yeah. Um, how was that we're... pressure
0: for you, Loeb? Like, how was that... To Because you started the whole, you know, the department, the Marvel television. How was that, you know, presumably you had a bazillion meetings with the guys over the, you know, on the movie side saying you know, was it kind
1: of... The, the guys at the movie side needed to worry about the movies. They did not, as far as they were concerned, television was a different division, like games was a different division, like comics was a different division. So right. what I was doing, fine, you go do that. Just don't come into our yard. Right. Uh, and so all we wanted was, okay, fine, give us the characters that you're not using. So that's how we wound up with Daredevil and... And Jessica Jones and 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 SHIELD, to be perfectly honest with you, was that SHIELD existed and it commingled, but we had a secret weapon that we never give enough credit to, and that's Joss Whedon. And Joss had just finished making the Avengers. In that, you know, there there used to be, I don't know, Paul will know better than I do, there used to be at at the end of the Super Bowl, they would go to the most valuable player at the Super Bowl and they would say, what are you going to do next? And he would say, I'm going to Disneyland. I get like a million dollars for saying that. And so you went to Joss Whedon after making the highest-grossing film of all time, The Avengers, and said, what do you want to do next? And I was the guy who said, you want to make a pilot? And the two of us started talking about S.H.I.E.L.D. and he had a real love for Clark, like a like a personal friendship. And he said, I'll only do it if Clark will do it. And so I got the fun of calling Clark and saying, You want to come back to life? And we had to we had to get through that through the, the studio because we didn't want to mess up anything on their side. Um, and and that part had to happen, but that wasn't the hardest. The the funny part, and this is the part that I wanted to say was that when we went to network and this person is no longer there. So I'm so glad I can tell the story. (laughs) We went to network and we said, so we're gonna do a trader story and it's gonna gonna change everything. Fortunately, we could say it's tied into the movie. So the upper brass was immediately like,
0: great.
2: Go
1: do whatever you wanna do. But the people that had to actually like stay with the show and work with the show said to us, "So, so who's, who's the trainer?" And and we said, "It's Ward." And they said, "Spoiler, spoiler, alert, if you haven't gotten spoiler
0: that." It, spoiler,
1: uh, and and they and they said, "I will never forget." They said, "It'll never work." And we said, "What do you mean?" And they said,
2: "He's too handsome." <laughs>
1: And I went, I went, I'm, I'm i sorry.
0: And and
1: and they said, they said, yeah, the, the audience is gonna go, no, it's a trick. It's he's not really I said, no, he's gonna shoot someone in the head. It's not like Don't like worry. it's not yeah, a I trick. Like they'll they'll get it. And it will forever change the show. And they said, We think you're you you should pick a different character. And actually, they were into you. They were like, "No one will suspect Elizabeth because she's so sweet," and <laughs> and that'll play great. And we were like, "Yeah, that's not happening." She's the person that she is. You're right.
0: I was expected to be killed off the first season because that's a, just such a no. Weeden esque thing. It doesn't no. doesn't just like kill the you
1: the know, love affair. Cute yes.
0: scientist.
1: <laughs> no, he kills the love affair. If you're in, if you're in,
2: that's how you die in the show. If you fall in love, you die. That's not true. Look at how long Fitzsimmons lasted. Come on. No. Fitzsimmons we was, f- yeah. yes, because we I think that's, I think that's Judge, Judge Marissa yeah. stepped in and said, we're
1: not going to do what everyone expects us to do.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. What came first, Loeb? Did they, did you go to Justin and the say, egg? yeah, like, did you go to Justin and say, hey, would you want to do a pilot? Then go to Marvel and say, hey, should we, or did, did Marvel say to you, "We want you to make TV for us"?
1: Oh no! They we had been in the TV business failing uh, <laughs> for for two years. Um, we had we had actually we'd written a, a Hulk script with uh, Guillermo del Toro, uh, and we had written Jessica Jones with uh, Marissa Rosenberg, who wound up doing the show on Netflix. Wow. Um, and both of those yeah. shows, ABC passed right on. They turned yeah. out. Uh, I mean we had Guillermo del Toro. Like I like I was sitting there going, I don't even understand what you're doing. Um and uh yeah they didn't want they were afraid that they wanted like a very soft Hulk and he wanted to do a very uh violent show that that would not have right. worked in right. the world. And and Marissa's uh, Melissa's uh version of Jessica Jones was very close to what we wound up doing. And they were like, yeah, um, you know that blonde girlfriend that she has? And, and we were, and then it was Carol Danvers. Uh, and, uh, and we said, yeah, they said, could we make this show about her? And she lives on Fifth Avenue and she's like, has this great life. And then she has a friend who's an alcoholic, private detective. And we go to her every now and then. And we were like, no, no. we no. can't do that. And and so those died. And so they came to us and said, you need to, and again, these people aren't there anymore. They said, you need to bring us something which is undeniable. That was the word that they kept saying.
0: Gosh, what an impossible thing as a creative to and, come and, up with.
1: And so I went to Dan and said, <laughs> uh, I said, I have something that's undeniable. Wow!
2: And cool. and
1: and he said, what's that? And I said, Joss. I mean, he's done hit television shows. He's got the biggest movie of all time. They are dying to be in business with him. If he says yes, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And so he said, it's worth the ask. I mean, what's the worst? And I mean, if he says no, it's, we're not in any worse position than we're in.
0: Did it have to be ABC? Did it it have? Yes. At the
1: time, we were told that we had to feed the mothership first,
0: right? Because Because they didn't want to
1: have Disney owns both, and and Disney didn't want to have their best show on another network, right? Um, Even though they had some shows that were made by Fox, like Modern Family is not, and at the time was not an ABC show. It was a show that was Mm -hmm. made by Fox. Now the fact that they bought Fox and now it's all one thing. It's something else, but
0: yeah. Well, can you just explain that a bit of the, the, the network and the studio and then as a write, so, so as a writer, you would write a pilot and then you go through the pitching process. Can you just explain a little bit? Cause I feel like we say on oh, network studio and don't really think much of it, but.
1: Okay. So the, the, It's also, it's very complicated in our case because Marvel was also a studio. Um, We weren't just a producer so that it, but in general, what happens is a a producer or a writer will get together and come up with an idea and, or the writer will spec it. He'll write it for free. Um, He then takes it to a studio and and you sort of have to think of the studio as the mechanism that's making it. It's the, it's the production
2: entity. And but they're, they're not, money. they're putting up the money to make your show.
1: Yes. Um, and, and ultimately at the end of the day, they own the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, except in the case of Marvel, because it's a Marvel character. So Marvel owns the show. Um, and so we became partners with ABC and I, uh, we would then go to ABC Network, which is a different, completely different entity. It, it, it's the same as Fox or CBS, or it's a different thing, even though they have the same name, and even though they're in the same building, and even though a lot of the same people work with each other, they were completely different people.
0: And that's where and, it's shown, right? That's, like and, and, that's the and that is that the exhibitor.
1: Shown. So the easiest way to understand it is is like a movie. And the idea that there is the company that makes the movie and then there's the theater that you go to in order to see the movie Mm -hmm. so that's what the network is it's the theater um and now it's really confusing because netflix is also the theater and the studio so yeah like it's all changed yeah
0: as a writer for you paul you they um you will sell them the show or sell them the idea but then they because they then own it you kind of have to write they give you notes and you almost have to do the notes. To yeah. Jeff and like I could talk
2: about notes for a long time, but um, <laughs> I, I, I will say this. Some of the stories that Jeff has just told you about the network and, and how you get notes and what they want it to be versus what you want it to be. The the notes from the Marvel side, from Jeff were always very different than the notes from the ABC side. Um, and honestly, from all executives I've worked with really in the past because the unique thing is is that Jeff is a writer. Like I always thought Jeff's a writer first. Like I didn't I didn't know Jeff Loeb like oh the head of Marvel Television. Like I was reading Jeff Loeb's stuff in in it, for those of you out there who think of Jeff as just this guy who put the show in there like he's written movies He's written on big TV shows and he wrote a ton of comics, great comics. If you are not familiar, go to Amazon, Jeff Loeb, look up the Marvel color series, Daredevil yellow, Hulk gray, Spider-Man blue, Uh, go to the other side of the fence, go to DC. The long Halloween is like legendary iconic that all the Batman movies rip off from Jeff's stuff like Dark Victory, Hush, Superman for all seasons. It's, they're brilliant, brilliant, things. And so uh, of which clearly I'm a fan of. So when we got notes from Jeff, you know, it was different. It was, he was like, he approached things from character and story and why we care and how to platform this misdirect as opposed to we think he's handsome and you should feature him more. And that was the difference. And that was the difference for me certainly in wanting to work with Jeff and work for Marvel for all these characters that I'd written and, you know, or, or read, I should say, you know, for years, that was the attraction and and walking into that first meeting with you and Joss and Jeff and Jed and Marissa, it was like, it was nerve wracking. I got to tell you, it was like, Oh, okay. Like, cause these guys know what they're talking about. We're not trying to sell ideas to people who don't know how to write them. I mean, these were all writers who were super smart, who approached character and story from an intelligent way. And you knew you had to bring your game. And when they gave you notes, you respected them. You took them, you, you, it wasn't one of those things where you got a note from a network and you said, I'll take a look at that. And what that really means is we're never gonna do that because it makes no sense. But because they didn't understand those things because their priorities were different. And never did I feel like getting notes from Jeff and from the Marvel side, that we weren't in lockstep in terms of our priorities of what was important, which was always character, always story, always emotion, and doing justice to you guys on, on camera and trying never to put words in your mouth that felt like they were forced and crappy and expositional. So, right. that's right. my I,
1: I have to jump back on the other side, which is, I thank you, Paul, for being my agent. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm currently out of work and looking, uh, but, <laughs> Uh, but Paul, in fairness, you know, is is also, in my mind, an award-winning television writer. You know, who worked on such notable shows as Lost, who created shows, who worked with Jeff Bell, one of our executive producers and and all-around lovely guy. And you could, any time you read a Paul Z script, it it had it had a something in it that was more clever, more turn, more some and and it was that's not a diss against everybody else that we work with. It just you could tell that this was someone who really understood the material and wanted it to be. And uh, the conversations he and I would have all the time about the show is like I would you have to know Paul to know that this is the, what you're looking at is his happiest face. And and <laughs> and so he would just look and I would go, what? And he would go, I just want it to be better. And, and those are the kinds of people that I like working with. It's just, you know, it doesn't really matter to me whether or not you've read comics or don't, you know, whether or not you know who, you know, Ant-Man is like, it doesn't matter to me. It's just like, do you have passion? Do you really want to tell this story? And if you do want to tell the story, how, tell me how it would be, which is why Amongst other things, we made an overall deal with Paul. We wound up doing a show called Hellstrom with Paul, um, which, is, which, that. Which, which is currently on Hulu. And if you have not seen, you should go and watch and talk about 10 episodes where you won't be able to turn it off. So just-
2: Full disclosure, Jeff is a producer on the show, so he has a vested interest in you watching it too. Um, <laughs> you but might i just go and before. watch I, I, I can't yeah, take the on. compliments and, and all that stuff because Jeff knows, as, as I know, writing for television is a team effort. Like, we had the benefit of coming into this season of S.H.I.E.L.D. and every writer's room is like, you have an aggregate of minds that hopefully are on the same page who all bring different skill sets. I'll give you an example. This episode here, you know, we have an amazing cast. I mean...
0: Crazy cast. Crazy cast. You get
2: Bill Paxton. Like, to write for Bill Paxton was like a joy. And there are a lot... Bill Paxton has a lot of funny lines in this episode. Not mine. Like, those lines... Some came from Jed, some came from Brent, some came from Jeff. Like we as a, as a collective group break these episodes of television together. And even though my name is on, you know, the episode and, and episodes going forward, like they're built, they're built by, by a group of people who all come to the party, who check their ego at the door, who work together to make the best episode possible. And, and this was one of those times where it was probably the most difficult episode personally that, that I wrote to break, mm. except maybe for the Bobby and Hunter when they went away in season three. But this one was so hard on a number of levels because of all the logistical challenges of building a red herring episode and leading up to cap two and figuring yeah. out, oh, we're going to get sit well. Okay. Well, what are we going to do with him? And and how do you make a red herring episode um, that's just really one big misdirect, intriguing and exciting, and not steal thunder from what's coming next? Meaning yeah. not just in the movie, but in our show in the next episode, because that's the real winner. That's the changes one that gets everything. all the because it's yeah. like, oh, that changes everything. So I'm just the setup guy, right? Which like, is the I
0: hardest thing. Yeah, I gave you this but, one for a reason.
2: But it's but it's it is it, I I benefit from you know the 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 Brents and Monica's and Rafes and Laurens and you know and and Shalisha and Jeff Jed and Mo obviously because we we all had a passion for these stories and and you know Jeff would come in and fight for us. And when you have an advocate at the studio level, remember studio represents the money who's making your show a lot of times the studio is your adversary. Because they're saying, hmm, you know, faster, cheaper, like how do we, and Jeff, uh, you know, we, we were about story and Jeff was about story because he was a writer. And mm-hmm. that's that, I can't tell you what a, what a benefit that was for us because he was willing to go fight those battles and he knew how to speak executive and he knew how to get the things we needed, you know, over the goal line to make these things work like these, these episodes that bookend cap two. Like yeah. it was just, it was a huge challenge. It was a huge challenge. We, yeah. we've, we've seen this like sort of like exodus to streaming platforms from a, a lot of writer creators. Do you think that now that you see like a Hulu getting folded into Disney, that there mm. is, isn't going to be the same sort of bifurcation of content between what you would see on Hulu versus Netflix versus ABC, or like, do you see that landscape changing? This is my question. I have some, some from the chat as well. But what was that? What has that relationship been between the traditional network and the streaming platforms?
1: It, it's changing now, almost daily. Uh, you, like you, you open up and and you know these executives that used to be in charge. Uh, right now, as it stands, everything that's made at Disney is made for Disney Plus. So. It it doesn't matter whether or not you're going to be on Hulu or ABC or you're going to be a movie or you're going to be a park attraction or you're going to be a stuffed Mickey. Like you eventually are going to be on Disney+. Plus. So all of that goes through a filter of, of very, very smart people that work at Disney who have been protecting that brand and making that brand as the number, I mean, I, it really is extraordinary to think it is the number one entertainment entity in the world. And when you look at at Warner Brothers, for example, like oh, growing up, Warner Brothers movies were my favorite movies. They mm-hmm. made Batman. They are the greatest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. They're now owned by at and So at concerns are not the same concerns as Warner Brothers. They're they're just, they're making whatever AT&T makes. So, and, you know, Sony owns Columbia and own, I mean, I'm now getting into like really minuscule kind of business stuff, but Disney is the only place where Disney owns Disney, owns Disney, meaning there is an entertainment company behind every decision of entertainment. And so ultimately, look, everyone told us that when we made the Punisher that it was, you know there is a very famous cartoon that has Mickey Mouse's head on the Punisher and he's shooting bubbles out of his gun. And that's what they thought that they were gonna do to, to Marvel. And the, the smartest thing that Bob Iger who's probably the smartest guy in, in the entertainment business was to say No, a brand is a brand is a brand and is a brand. So Marvel movies feel different from Pixar movies feel different from regular Disney movies, from whatever else is going on out there. And so the long-winded answer to your question is, I don't know. I mean, are there going to be things? I'm excited by hearing that more of the Fox material, which is really the area that I'm interested in, which is like, the Alien franchise, what's happening there? The Predator franchise, what's happening there? Um, the Avatar franchise, what's happening there? Like, if all of that is eventually going to wind up on Disney Plus, are we really going to still have like an alien pop out of somebody's chest, or is it just going to be running around the floor scaring people?
2: Well, and, or are they going to leave it on Hulu, which where that's that stuff which, is now? Which,
1: which is apparently now what. The idea is, is to be able to create an entity that can al- enable us to enjoy all different kinds of, of formats on different kinds of platforms, which is why as you should writer, be buying Paul. Disney Plus.
0: Yeah, buy Disney Plus. Well, we are on Disney Plus at the moment, the uh, agents <laughs> of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, Paul, as a writer, is that, does that, is that, um, just thinking, you know, with the 22 episodes and trying to do S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and it being difficult to, do our show in t- 22 hours of television. As a writer, do, is that exciting to you that you go, here's a concept, and there's so many different ways in which it could m- be made into a series? It can be eight episodes or two, or, you know, is that.
2: Doing is less is, is more exciting for sure right, than right. 22. Um, tw- 22 is really, really hard. It is yeah. a. Um, especially today, you know, where the game is upped all the time and, you know, Netflix came in and started spending a lot of money on shows. And then, I mean, obviously HBO was first, they were spending money on shows and they were taking the time to, you know, and money to, to make television look more like film and improve production quality. And, um, you know, audiences expect more today. And if you want more from your product, meaning you want it to feel more cinematic, you want you know scope, you want to p- see people outside in actual locations, and not just walking up and down hallways or in you know courtrooms, or you know if, if you want to feel scope and scale, that takes time and that takes money. And again, going back to something Jeff was talking about when they were like an Iron Man, people were expecting Iron Man to show up on our show, like. I, you know, I don't want to give out that number of the budget for an episode of Agents of Shield, but like we had eight days and a, what they call a second unit day, which is a smaller crew, a splinter unit that would shoot simultaneously with another unit. You know, we had eight days and, and a ninth day, you know, for, for splinter unit to make an hour of television or 42 minutes and 40 seconds of television. The, the feature films, you know, they get two years and hundreds of millions of dollars. And their visual effects, like they work on them for 10 months, 12 months, a year to get them perfect. And we managed to make all credit to Mark Kolpak, the bus, I'm looking now, you know, yep. our plane looked like a plane on a television budget with television time.
0: Yeah.
2: And, I, you know, I thought our show looked pretty darn good for uh, you know a a show that had not nearly like not even one percent like we used to joke like the budget for one episode of agents of shield was like the craft service budget on <laughs> you know avengers it wasn't even close and so we had to deliver on character and on yeah. emotion and twists and though that's where we live. And, and that's what we did a good job at, but we always longed for, boy, wouldn't it be great if we could go on location and do that? Wouldn't it be great if we could get out of the stages and go, you know, a little bit bigger or make this action sequence. Let's let's take two, three days to shoot this action sequence or let's, boy, I wish we had like another two months of visual effects time on these effects. Like we never had that. And so by going to cable or streaming, you know, you're, you get more time, you get a little more time and you get a little more money uh, we had a little more money on Hellstrom and a little more time on Hellstrom than we did on, on Shield, and because we had fewer episodes, yeah. and because studios and networks are starting to say we want to compete, we we want stuff to look like it does in other places and to make it look good. Um, but it's hard because it's a commitment of time and money, both of which you know nobody wants to spend if they don't have to. Yeah,
1: and and then something comes along. Like Mandalorian, and, and you just go, okay, well, that they're just shooting a movie. Like I, you know, it's yeah, their their special effects are, are and I and then I hear people complain and go, they look cheap. It doesn't look like a, it looks like television, and I'm like, I, I if that's what you think, I don't know what you expect for stuff to happen, and we're well, gonna and find they out.
2: They're all on a soundstage. That's yes. the incredible yeah. thing. I mean, yeah. but th- that's yeah. also that's a lot of time and a lot of money. And a lot of prep work. They pour a ton of money into the Mandalorian. I mean, you just have to oh, look at yeah. the town involved. And so yeah. again, that's not something that's going to appear on ABC or CBS or you know NBC anytime soon. So yeah. the game has definitely changed in that sense. Yeah. And
1: and we're going to see for the first time what Marvel Studios uh with WandaVision on January 15th comes out for the first time. And we'll see what they would have done television. So, again, it's a different it was always a different division except for Carter, which was the only agent Carter was the only show we did together and they would look at us every day. The guys there and go. So how long do we have to do special effects and we would go this show airs (laughs) in like three weeks and they would be like, no, 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 we're we're going to need like six months and we may need to go back and reshoot some of these scenes. (laughs) <laughs> and, and and i'd be like no that's not what we're doing like we're we have to be done by friday yeah um and so it i'm but i'm sure that that these television shows that are on disney plus are going to look amazing and they're going to be amazing and, so you know
0: but it, may, it'll be a different like, game yeah a different exactly and you were sh- you were <laughs> inventing the game in a way you know nobody had done a Marvel property for 22 episodes on ABC where the demographic was com- the complete opposite to the IP that you were bringing with Marvel. And I think you know, it's, I've worked on stuff since and lucky enough to be working on a project now. And you know, the, there's nothing quite like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when you see how much we did in those eight and a bit days. And then that's not to mention the whole, you know, you come with a script and then there's all the notes and then there's all the changes and then you can have a character and then you can't have a character and you have to somehow oh. make that make that work for, to, you know, cause it's one thing to say, oh, you can't have that line. But if you get a character taken away from you on episode right. eight- That happened the a lot. I,
1: There were times lot. we had we had entire seasons taken away from us. Like, this is what we're going to do. And they would go, no, that's <laughs> sorry. Uh, you know, we own time travel. Sure. Well, I, well, what, what do you mean? You own time travel?
2: Like, well, or, okay. or we have to do it first, and then you can have it. Right. Yeah. I mean, there was there was a bit of that, and and, and that? it was
1: and it was all again. It was about it was about making sure that. It was established in a way that, from a from a economic point of view, that you could understand what we were doing, Um, which made it hard. You know, there's no choice about it. But on the other hand, we did seven seasons at a time when no one was doing seven. People were dying in three episodes, and couldn't be more proud of it. It was always. You know, I've said it a million times, it was always my favorite show. And it was also because it was, we were such a family. Like we were just living over there at Culver City. People pretty much left us alone uh, after, I mean, they were in our faces, but not, there was nobody there. There was no physical person who was haranguing us, which a, a lot of shows have.
0: Oh my gosh, the episode just finished. <laughs> i just been laser
2: focused. We talked talk no, none of that. None of that. I haven't <laughs> asked a single good. question from the chat I do
0: that. have a question that came in on Reddit that I thought was really interesting that kind of does tie into this episode. It's from Emily Jane. It's quite long, but like selfishly, I want to know the answer. So it says, my question for the overall-ish theme of the clairvoyance, which Hmm. is mentioned a lot, obviously, in this episode. As early as 104, the team was talking about the clairvoyant power and how there has been no one with that power on the index yet. But for the rest of the seven seasons, there were major clairvoyant issues. Everything from, I mean, half of these things I don't remember. Thomas Nash, this episode, she says, to John Garrett spoiler fake clairvoyant to all the inhumans with clairvoyance, Rainer, yeah, Charles Hinton, Robert Robin Hinton, season five and the Chronicom season six and seven. Was this a deliberate fake to make all the fans believe that it wasn't going to be a big plot point, which ironically became one of the biggest recurring themes in Agents of Shield?
2: That's really an interesting question. Isn't that um,
0: so interesting? Thank it you. is. I mean, bit. when you
2: when you start mentioning all of the other characters from the other seasons that all kind of had an interest, I think thematically we always liked, I think we liked that those notions of what if you could see the future and what would that be like and what would yeah. you do differently? And I don't think we made a conscious effort, like there was no link between like Robin and her dad at the time to like, the clairvoyant i mean the reina thing was definitely a a conscious thing that we you know we had a real clairvoyant as opposed to the fake clairvoyant because garrett and reina were sharing scenes and we just thought wouldn't it be an interesting thing that the thing he kept selling this fake stuff actually became real for her and so that definitely carried over from seasons one to two um but in terms of like a lot of like the clairvoyant stuff was because we couldn't we couldn't a talk about people with powers. We couldn't say stuff. We we couldn't say real Marvel characters' names. There were a lot of constraints put on us, and so we had to we had to build we had to build this Trojan horse and and make it work for us for sixteen episodes before we could say it's Hydra. And so the clairvoyant became our big misdirect. And it's interesting that she brings up Thomas Nash because. It was, there was a little, There's a little uh, trickery-fakery there in that name itself. Um, Thomas Nash was an Elizabethan writer in the 1500s who wrote uh, a story called uh, Praise of the Red Herring. And in that story, he wrote about how uh, the biggest thing that would attract hounds was the skin from a red herring. And that's kind of the genesis of that phrase. Red herring is a decoy. That would draw the hounds to the red skin of the of the red herring and that's why i named that character thomas nash and it was funny because so cool when i was doing my first pass of notes with jeff bell on the script he was like i think we could do better on the name for for the character and then i told him and he's like oh no that's staying that that's that's staying and i was always curious as to i wonder if anyone's going to pick this up i wonder if anyone would pick up that the guy that they're after or whatever, like, because it's just a Google search, you know? And yeah. um, it was one of those little things that you slip in as a writer that you that you just kind of hold dear, that you go, I hope that makes it, doesn't get cut, doesn't get changed. And and it stayed. So it's interesting that that person on Reddit brought up that name specifically yeah. for a clairvoyant. Yeah.
0: Um, there's been quite a few questions in the chat, Paul, about tips for writers. Would that be one mm. of them to... And just with you saying, you know, you obviously had such a a fondness for that name and it meant something to you. And then, you know, if Bell wasn't Bell, he could have just been like, well, I don't like it. Let's get rid of it. Yeah. Would that be one of the tips you might give is, how you know, how do you kind of fight for the things things you love? Mm -hmm. I mean,
2: that's just I mean, I mean, Jeff could speak to that, too. It's it's about passion. It's about. You know, you're always going to get notes. You're always going to have to make changes. You're certainly going to get, you know, rewritten as a writer uh, in this business anyway, not if you're so much a novelist, but um, and you just, you have to cling to those things that are most important to you because if it becomes 51% theirs, whether it's the studio or the director or the network or whoever, and it becomes 49% yours, your heart's just not in it as much and and you've lost the thing that gave you your passion and your love for it and that has happened to me a number of times in in over the years and um if you're really passionate about something and and it has to be the right thing it can't be but like the car really needs to be red why because i like the color red like that's not a good answer you know it has to be rooted in some kind of emotion or you know bulletproof logic that it has to be this way because if you pull this one Jenga block, everything falls apart. That was a particular challenge all the time on S.H.I.E.L.D. Like we, you know, this episode again, like platforming stuff, it's just a series of Jenga blocks. And if you don't, you know, if you start pulling at certain things then the whole story falls apart. So you have to learn to fight for those things. And, um, but it's mostly about character and it's mostly about the why, you know the theme of why you're writing this.
1: What, what, and looking it, at it from the point of view of, of, of a producer, and I've had this conversation a lot of times, which is you have to, I mean, Pick the Battles is, is, the, is the short version of it, but you, the number of times that I've had to say to certain people, which is, look, the actor, the line of dialogue, the salt shakers, and the color of her dress all can't be the same weight. Yeah. If they are all the same weight, then all you are is a pain in the ass. You're just, you're like, great, go take your own money, go make your own show. Don't involve anybody else. Make all the decisions yourself. And and, and that works the other way around. It, it works sometimes when someone becomes so famous that they don't take notes anymore. And yeah. you're suddenly sitting in a movie theater going, what is happening here? And that's because that person has been able to say, that dress, that salt shaker, that line of dialogue, and that actor, all we, they cannot be changed under any circumstances because I said so. Oh. And those are the things that you have to really figure out. Where is the battle? What is the thing that's worth it? And are you listening? This is something that, that I, again, uh, forgive me because I know all of you have heard this before, which is if one person has a problem with your, in the script, then they're entitled to their opinion. If two people have a problem, it's probably worth you looking at it. It doesn't mean you necessarily have a problem. If three people tell you, you have a problem in the script, you have a problem in the script. Now, how they want to resolve it, that's not the answer. I'm just saying to you, you need to, at that point, resolve the problem. And hopefully it'll be better and, and you haven't messed it all up or hopefully you're open enough that whoever's giving you the note can help you make it better along the way. You have to have that kind of, that's a different kind of passion. That's a passion for your, for your project. Um, And then just, I get asked this a lot because I've, and I've also, I've taught writing at USC and my mentor was a man by the name of Frank Danielle, who ran the Czech Institute and had a, a, a young, Uh, director writer by the name of Milos Foreman, and I'm throwing names around just because I'm trying to prove that I actually know what I'm talking about but (laughs) but what Frank used to say to us is a writer writes so if if you really want to be in this business you need to write a page a day and it can be anything it doesn't have to be Uh, One story that you're working on consecutively, but this is what Frank would look at us and say, if you do this, because part of being a writer is not just talent. It's also discipline. If you write every single day, one page, you can't cheat. You can't write three pages and then the next day go, well, I did three pages yesterday, so I'll just skip today. Every day you have to write at least one page. At the end, you will have 365 pages. It's math. And You will be a better writer. If a screenplay is 100 pages long, you will have three screenplays and probably a pilot. And you now have the ability to, when someone says to you, do you have something that I can read? You can say, actually, I like this script and this script. Or you can write six pilots. Or you can write
2: six episodes of SWAT. Like- or or jeff you can also rewrite that one page five days in a row it's just not good
1: <laughs> no you need to move forward there's you will find that you'll write and then you'll rewrite something and or you'll throw that out and start over again and and all those kinds of things um i, I remember when i was in film school that one day i just i i did a you know all work and no play and makes Jeff a dull boy and just wrote that and went, Haha. but it doesn't get you anywhere. When you do that, you have to, you have to commit that this is what you're going to do. And that's And we haven't even gotten to the magic of having an agent or a manager or someone who's representing you out there. If you're not represented and you don't have anybody that can get you your material to this actor or this or the Jeff Lowe who's at Marvel or Paul Z who you saw on this thing. How can I get in my material? Well, you're going to need an agent to do that. And so that agent's going to say, well, can I read your material? I promise you that if you say January 10th, 2022, I am ready to go get an agent. You will have better material than you currently have right now. You just will. Mm. Um, And so and, and what you're thinking, like the things that I want to write about now are not the things that I wanted to write about 10 years ago. Um, and that has to do with age and things that happen to you personally and things that are happening in the world. Yeah. Like like I, the idea of, of, you know, what's happening politically and what's happening with trust and what's happening with diversity and what's happening with with health issues and what's happening to the world. Like the fact that we're all communicating this way, like it changes that movie that you really wanted to make about how the Golden Gate Bridge was built. Like, you have to at some point say to yourself, is that still relevant? It's relevant to me. I love the Golden Gate Bridge. It's my favorite bridge in the whole world. I want to write a movie about the Golden Gate Bridge. Okay. For who? And and so those are the things that, that change your life as a writer all the time. And sometimes you're halfway through a script and suddenly you go, but I love Margaret. And I, and I wrote this movie because I hated Margaret. And so now I'm halfway through, do I finish this movie where I killed Margaret 14 times?
0: And so, I, you
1: know, those are the things that happen. That's I'm not sorry,
2: perfect at all. That's not at all. <laughs> <Yeah. sustainable. laughs>
0: sorry to all the Margaret's out there. No. That's but really Joe, powerful. My sister's name
2: is Margaret, Jeff, thank yeah, you.
0: Uh-oh. Yeah, no, uh-oh. name is Margaret.
2: I will add one thing to what Jeff said about just writing every day. There's also a quote from Stephen King who says, never trust a writer who has written more than he has read. And and wow. so in addition to writing every day, read. And, and, and binging TV shows on Netflix doesn't count. Like, look at the written page. You can now buy like scripts on Amazon of popular TV shows and stuff. Like there's compilations and there's drafts and, you know, not just scripts, but novels. And like, you know, read, just see what's out there and how how the words on the page are crafted depending on the format because writing a writing a novel is very different than writing a a treatment for a tv show or an outline or a script or a character biography or 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 there are many different uh, kinds of writing that you have to uh, be proficient at in order to make it in this business and and you know writing a pitch figuring out how to organize your thoughts in a way that you can communicate them effectively in a certain amount of time. That's writing. Um, So so reading those things and, and seeing what other people have written to me was very helpful. I mean, one of the first things I did when I was out here and I just started doing it was I went to the Writers Guild library which is open to the public and you go and you wow. can you can look at a script and t- sit at a table like a library and check it out and and just sit there and read it. And I read The Fugitive and, and, and I read Sunset Boulevard and I read, I mean, there's just, there's a ton of stuff out there. So I would also give that piece of advice is is read as well as write.
0: There's so much power there as well. I think it, during this time, it can feel like we we can all be powerless and we're all going through something so profound. Everybody is having a different, hardship version of 2020 and now going into 2021 and that makes me a bit emotional to hear you know read and write they are you know if you're privileged to be able to do both and you can do it every day then yes this is potentially going to be another very challenging year but when we get to this time next year there's no reason that you can't have the knowledge of how to do a pitch, and then write the pitch, and have the script to go with it. And this, there's um, there's a huge, there's a huge amount of hope in that. That I think is. Well,
1: you know, I, I look. I look at it from a very practical point of view, which is, what the hell else are you doing? Like, sure. I, I, like I, we're all in lockdown. We're all like, I, you know, Paul's in his basement. I'm in an empty house. Like. <laughs> Like, you know, if you don't come out of your, you know, out of the storm cellar, Dorothy, and at the, after the tornado goes by, and, and have the Wizard of Oz as your story, then what did you do? Um, And, and that's really important, if that's what you want to do, you know, by the way, I know people that are learning how to, you know, make sourdough bread. I know people that are, are, are building entire, you know, farms in their backyard. Great, go do that. Or learning a new language, Jeff. Learning a new language, yes, as my French gets worse every day. Uh, but, <laughs> but if you, like, if this is what you really want to do, if this is the business, if you're looking at Paul today going, wow, like, I, I would kill to have that guy's career. Don't kill Paul. Uh, but, you know, then now's the time. Because there isn't anybody to tell you Well, but, but who's going to take out the garbage or, or, but wait, you've got to flip those burgers or you, you know, there's so many people who have so many opportunities right now to reinvent themselves. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, it's, it's not me who said, but somebody else said, you know, Los Angeles is a town which is built upon people who all they do is reinvent themselves, not necessarily for the better, but, uh, but if if you're going to be in that business, that's that's the way it is, and I, we're probably being heard all around the world. And and you know, somewhere in Paris, someone's going, "I don't need to go to Los Angeles to make movies," and I go make movies in, in Budapest for all it is. But I'm just saying that if this is the thing that you want to do, and, and Elizabeth, like, I, like I never would have suspected in a million years. That the person who came in and read for the part of Simmons was going to come to us and say, "I want to direct an episode," and and pretty terrific. All episode. of the work that you did, you needed to do in order to make that happen: shadowing people, asking questions, looking, I, and God knows what else homework that you did in order to do that, and and then. To do a superb episode on top of everything else, so that you could literally now say to somebody, "Yep, this is me." I'm like, I'm holding it as though you could hold it. <laughs> uh, this is my episode. I'm like, you, you, you're now no longer an actor. You're now an actor director. Um,
0: you're I, right. It, that's very kind of you to say that. But it is the little by little. It's the, it, it's the it it's the compounding effect of those of those very deliberate. Um, a dedication to something that before you know it you've got the whole picture you just paint one brush stroke a day and I think that's that's really and that does something for your mind as well to to have achieved something that's doable put it into bite-sized chunks um this was just I feel inspired from my cells to my skin this was just so wonderful and um, I feel like <laughs> we've gone pretty over already. Um, they,
2: have they given away episode seventeen yet? Is it still running?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's still yeah. going. Um, I've given up the Zoom link, and I'm just going to invite a, a, a hundred people, which is my limit, to just wave so that we can see your faces, and we'll just wave goodbye for a couple of minutes. Um, Low, pulzy. Thank you so much about you're amazing. Just, oh my gosh, it was, it was I could con- just go on and on. a constant
2: stream of really incredible information. I, I abandoned my post just to like, <laughs> listen. It was amazing. Well, you so guys thank, are awesome. I always love talking to you guys. Oh. And yeah, I know, this was fun. I, I'm happy to do
1: it again since I still don't understand what we did. But uh, <laughs> as you no. know, I love to talk and I love the sound of my own voice. So it works out great.
0: No, not at all. And you, I mean... Loeb you've been such a mentor to so many people in this business and you have lifted up so many creative voices and um helped support people that would never have got the opportunity and you see a creative spark in people from I'm one of them for sure and from all across the spectrum of you know you see people's talent you don't see anything else about them in and in a good way you know and I think uh, we need more people like you and I'm so grateful that Everybody on this screen has been impacted by you um, in a very, very positive way. So thank you for being here. It's a well, I, I anyway. appreciate
1: that. It, it, it's a two-way street. I I I get so excited by uh I, Paul knows I've written him fan letters. I, by his writing, I I you and I have had a lot of very personal moments in terms of watching your work and watching your growth. Zach, as, as both as an actor, but also as a human being and the way that the two of you treat each other, those are the things that get me to want to care. Uh, and that, you know, you know as, as, as we can talk forever about both of your work, but at the end of the day, your love story is the thing that I, you know, continually brings me back to, and I don't mind sharing with anybody who's still listening to, you know, he has always been the world's greatest boyfriend. He has always been the world's (laughs) greatest fiance. And I can't wait till he is the world's greatest husband. So, uh, and then the world's greatest dad and granddad. And so, uh, you know, those are things I do not take lightly by any means. You four are very, very dear to me. And I, I, I just consider myself lucky that I keep getting thrown into a business that That, you know, I don't have to open cans of tuna fish and not to say opening cans of tuna fish isn't a good job, um, but that I don't have to open cans of tuna fish in order to figure out, you know, how I'm going to pay the rent. Um, Yeah,
0: we're all very lucky.
2: We're all fortunate in that way. Oh,
0: thank you so much. You've—I just love you all. I'm going to admit these people before I just go on and on, and I don't know, and probably blubber all over all of you. Okay, welcome in everyone. Right, Loeb. This is going to get crazy, just so you know, and hectic. So all you got to do is smile and wave for a couple <laughs> minutes. Okay, stay calm. <laughs> okay. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Loeb. Thank you, Zach. Thank
2: you, Zach. Right.
0: Here everybody comes! Here. Okay. Hey, oh, oh my, right then. <laughs> oh, that was so brilliant. I feel quite emotional actually. I just Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'll probably listen back to this intro and sort of hear it, but I was feeling not deflated, but a bit sort of heavy and, um, you know, energy wise, just feeling a bit sort of, um, yeah, just a bit overwhelmed by our current situation in lots of ways. And there's so much to be grateful for at the moment, of course, so, so, so much, but it doesn't stop things being challenging at the moment, and I just feel, as I hope you do, after listening to that, just inspired and uplifted, and, oh, I don't know, I've got goosebumps all over. Uh, I thought that was brilliant for, you know, if you are wanting to be a writer, or just start writing, or you know, work in the industry in some way or not. Like there was so much amazing inside info in there, but also just very practical tips of how to start a creative process and what ways they did it and and reading scripts and reading and writing and, you know, fairly simple things that you can do that will make you better at writing and and make you into a writer you will all of a sudden bit by bit create something and it's the same in anything that you want to do and it's something I'm really gonna oh just keep reminding myself that if you just do one small thing each day towards your main goal then six months later a year later you will have all of a sudden built something that just took half an hour out of your day a page a day. You could maybe do that in ten minutes. Some days it might take you two hours. But by the end of the year, as Loeb was saying, you're going to have a script, a pilot, a novel, a, a garden, whatever it is that you're building and creating, a jewellery line. A... You know, obviously, the, the list is absolutely endless. I feel so inspired. Thank you for listening and being here. Um, there Were some Reddit questions? Let me go and look at, I asked a couple in the chat and I feel like this is going to be a fairly long (laughs) episode. But it was just, oh my gosh. I mean, that could have just, I mean, I could have spoken for hours and hours and hours and I have a very early start tomorrow. But all sensibleness went out of the window. I just, I hope it came across how wonderful... Paul Z and Jeff Loeb are. You know how wonderful Zachary Burt Abel is already. But they really champion talent and have such a deep care for stories and the unsung hero and heroine and seeing something special in you and really, really wanting to bring that out and collaborate and They've both experienced massive gains and massive losses and they are just the real deal and I feel so, oh, I just, it, it's just a dream come true to be able to have them on a Zoom for an hour and for you to be able to hear them and I feel so lucky to have gotten to work with them and be mentored by both of them and really have learned so much that it's just so Oh, it's just freaking amazing to be able to share that, even just for an hour. So, there are a couple of questions. Oh my gosh, this is what I meant to ask. Huffer123 asks, I've always been intrigued by the names of the episodes and how they manage to be so different and unique, yet fit the episode perfectly. How are the names chosen and who does? I don't know. I think a lot of the time they're from lines of the episode, but I did notice in this episode, Garrett says, turn, 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 at one point, which is the title of next week's episode 117 which is an extremely pivotal episode of the show that we actually spoke quite a lot about in this one after i said at the start there might not be any spoilers but as jason was saying about the spoilers he's seen up to episode four so um i think that's okay that we'd had a little spoiler in this one. Oh, i think i'm gonna leave it there i love you all And I love you for being here and listening. I hope you enjoyed this one. Do give us an email and let us know what you thought and how it was. We'll put the email address on the show notes. Show notes? (laughs) Show notes. And thank you so much for your ratings and reviews. We love reading them. We've recently discovered how to see all the ones that are international. So that is very exciting. At the end of this season or watching of episode of agents of shield my gosh my words i have no control over the order they are coming out so apologies for that we are gonna do a raffle and pick some winners of our favorite reviews so you know let let the reviews continue and you never know you might get a fancy amazing prize thank you for being here (laughs) have i said that enough times as we go into this new year, 2021, I am going to take some of the some of the tips that we had from today's session and do a bit of writing every day. And um, whether you want to be a writer or not, I feel like even just journaling it's it's a really good way to process a lot of the massive things that we're wading through in life at the moment sending you all love and light thank you for being here i'm so happy that we're back see you next week for episode 117 turn 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 which was just a huge episode on our agents of shield journey wishing you the best see you next week